Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's word for us today. I'll just add my voice to that. Thanks so much for being a generous church. Uh, I always tell the board that it's actually one of the most exciting things that we get to do is to like bless people. And like, by the way, it matters. We get to supply beds for kids in Liberia. That matters. God cares about that. So thanks for that. We appreciate that. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to jump into our teaching for the morning. If you want to turn to a Bible in a Bible to Philippians chapter four, that's where we're going to land. Philippians chapter four. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are paper Bibles spread throughout the auditorium about every other seat or so. You could grab one of those if you'd like, or you can go to summers.church on a browser on your device and search Cornerstone Church and all the fill-ins, scriptures, everything will be there for you. Those are interactive message notes. And to get us started today, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And here's what I want. There's going to be some crowd participation this morning. If you would answer yes to this question, I want to have you simply just raise your hand. Uh, there's going to be a series of them. And I want to tell you up front, I want you to be honest. All right? So tell me, uh, if, if you say yes, make sure you raise your hand. You're in church. God sees. Okay. All right. So, all right. So here's the first question. All right. How many of you wish you had a bigger house? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, how about this? How many of you wish you had a newer car? Okay. Many of you. Okay. All right. Uh, how many of you uh, wish that you lived somewhere else other than Indiana? <laughs> Whoa. Somebody's really excited about that over there. All right. We'll pray over you. We need intercession over here. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> how about uh, you wish you had a different job? Anybody wish you had a different job? A couple of you people wish you had a different job. Okay. How about, let me put it this way. Uh, raise your hand if uh, at least one of the, one thing in your life, whether it's a possession, a status, or a situation you wish was different in your life, at least one thing. Okay, everybody's hand should be up, right? Because likely here's the reality, right? Every single one of us probably have at least one thing that we wish was different in our life. Now, I use that to start this morning because uh, in, in the fact that some of those things in those desires and wishes, though they aren't inherently wrong, I think that they highlight the amount of hands that went up in the room, highlight the potential of something that might be wrong. And, and, and it's going to be our topic today. And our topic this morning is going to be on discontentment. Discontentment. Um, because, uh, right, here's the reality, is that many of the situations that uh, of these situations that we just raised our hands for, like, even if we get it, we can even be discontent in that, can't we? Yeah. Right? So, for example, right, say you go, gosh, we just really, I really just, we wish we had a bigger house, and then, so you get it, you get what you wish for, you get the bigger house, and then you're like, man, this is a lot of house to take care of. <laughs> right? And you're like, wow, the lawn is so big. It takes so long. And so then you're like, okay, I know what we'll do. We'll get somebody to clean the house and mow the lawn. And then you go, well, they're not doing it right. <laughs> right? They don't clean like you want them to clean. Or you're like, no, I want the angles in the yard. By the way, if you do that, I'm going to pray for you after service. <laughs> you shouldn't be worried that much about the lawn. Right? So like the, the reality is, right, then, then, then like so we can get upset even the way that they do those kind of things. And so you see what can happen in our lives is that there can be a thread of discontentment that can continue to weave itself into our lives even when we get the things that we wish and we desire. 
right? I'm sure I'm not the only one that that can happen to in life. I think it happens to all of us. It's an easy mentality to get into. So even just, I want your mind to start wandering today because we're gonna do some things together this morning that I think will hopefully be helpful to you as, we, as you walk out the door. But, but think about that. Like, have you been there? Have you been to the place where, one, maybe you're there right now where you just, you know that there's a level of discontentment with this in your life. Maybe it's your, 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 your relationships or your, your work environment. Maybe your, your living situation, the car, the, the financial, like whatever. Like, is there, because as I thought about my life, I, I was thinking, gosh, I probably have a, few things I probably could put on one hand at least, right? And I don't know about you, but I want my life to be more emotionally stable than that. And, and, and so I'm guessing you're like me, and I think I, I love, by the way, when I, t- when I teach and, and, and it, something hits and you go, you hear the, mm. You guys get that, right? Because you desire that. You want to be more emotionally stable than, than, than wishing for something that you don't have and being so discontent, discontented in that that ultimately it affects your life. You want to be more emotionally stable than that. And what I'm going to talk about today is that I think that a level of contentment is key to being able to be emotionally stable more often in our lives. Now, I know that if you were here last week, you might be thinking, okay, well, Matt, didn't you just talk to us last Sunday regarding Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3 about setting goals and striving and straining towards, you know, these things that we desire, like financial goals and physical goals, relational goals, spiritual goals. Like, so now are you telling us that we should just be just okay to sit where we are? Don't hear me say that that's the thing, right? Because I do think, right, like last week, by the way, if you weren't here, go online, go to our website, our YouTube channel, our podcast, listen to that message. I think it's of a value. But, but we saw last week from Paul's words that there is significant value to having goals and striving towards those things, right? But there's sort of kind of a, a balancing act that needs to happen in our life. Like we have to have some level of, of straining towards things and, and going after things and aiming for things because we said last week, right, if we aim at nothing, will hit nothing every time. So we have to aim for stuff, but there's got to be some level of, of, of contentment in our life as well. It, it's got to be balanced out because you, you, you kind of know this, right? Like if we are too far on either, either extreme, then, then life can get kind of messy. And so we have to have goals. Yes, we got to strive for those things, but we got to have contentment as well. And what I want to discuss today, and I think Paul discusses in our text today in Philippians chapter 4, the value of balancing out the other side of last week of goals. So yes, strive, make progress, aim at something, but also have a level of contentment because discontentment, you guys know this, discontentment can sometimes often eat us up inside, can it? Discontentment can eat us up inside, keep us stuck and locked down and far from breakthrough, overall just lacking satisfaction in life. And, and what we can do is that we can repeat things in our head. We talked last week about the fact that we talk to ourselves. We all talk to ourselves. We know our voice, right? And so we can talk to ourselves. We can repeat these things in our head or we can maybe have conversations with them like, you got, gosh, I really wish I had what they had. Or it can be like, man, you got, I just, gosh, I just so badly want to be in a relationship or I just want to be married, or for some, maybe, uh, I just really wish I was single again. Now, last service, somebody snickered at that comment, I'm just saying. But, like, right? Like the, so, so there's some nudging going on back there, right? Like, the, like, some, like the, the truth is, like, sometimes we can have these conversations, and I'm just being real today, right? Like, gosh, I just really wish that I was single again because life was easier. Or, you know, I, I want their job. You know what? I want that title. I really wish my life, huh, how many times do you hear that? My life would be so much better if I just had that title. By the way, I'm going to talk today about titles are not as all they're cracked up to be, right? Or really, I, wish really, I just really wished I lived there instead of here. I just really wish I was where 
they were. And, and, and so we can have these things run through our mind and in conversations. And, and all, all that does, folks, is that that keeps us in a place of discontentment. And honestly, can I just say, it keeps us pinned down. The enemy loves us to be there which is the exact opposite of what we're going after in the series and what Paul talks about in this book of the Bible, in the book of Philippians. We're trying to see breakthrough, right? We want to see breakthrough. We want to experience breakthrough after breakthrough rather than being pinned down by discontentment. And then, and then not only that, I actually see verses like this in the scripture. In 1 Timothy 6, 6, uh, Paul says, but godliness with, here it is, contentment is great gain. So going after the things of God with a level of contentment, there's something to be gained in the midst of that. Hebrews 13, 5, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so again, there's something to this content thing, balancing the desire for progress and aiming things, meeting our goals while keeping discontentment at bay at some level, not so that we're not pinned down and stuck. And if I can be real honest, that we're not pinned down and stuck in an endless desire and cycle of more. By the way, we can get stuck in a cycle of more in life. And so we need a healthy balance. And so I'll start with that this morning because we're ending a series this morning that we've been in here over at Cornerstone for a while, last four weeks, called Unstuck, Experiencing Wisdom's Breakthrough. As I mentioned, we've been going through the book of Philippians. And uh, today, as I already mentioned, we're going to be looking at chapter four, where the Apostle Paul through kind of uh, highlighting his own experience, right, is going to give some insight into the value of being content in order to live unstuck, right? And so our title this morning is simply satisfied. And we're going to look at two things that we see in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul says that showcases what living satisfied requires, what it looks like to live an unstuck area of our life in this particular area. And so let's take a look at it. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. But, but, but just before, let's just have a little bit of context. Context matters, right? Uh, Paul gives a final exhortation to, this is the last chapter of the book of the Bible, all right? And so he gives a final exhortation to the Philippians to not be anxious, but to pray so that the peace of God would come. It's probably a scripture some of you know. So he gives them this final exhortation. And then after that, he says this in Philippians 4.10. So I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at, the la- at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hung- well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then you probably know this verse, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so just a short couple of verses there from Paul, but I think some, uh, again, kind of pack up a punch there. Um, some things from him in, in these verses, a few key words and clues to what it might look like to live satisfied, more content, and with much less negative discontentment in our lives. Uh, we actually see the word content twice in these verses, right? The first time is in verse 12. And when I looked up the original uh, word in the, in the Greek this week, uh, the first time in verse 12, it says it's the word ausetarkes uh, and means contented with one's lot, with one's means, and then here, this is interesting, though it may be slim. And then the second one is in verse 12, and this is actually, this time it was actually used for the phrase of being filled, and it's our hartazo, it means to fulfill or satisfy the desire of anyone. And so Paul is saying here that he's figured out how to take where he is, and on some level be satisfied, even if things are not super great which we're going to talk a little bit more later about that. 
But showcasing through his own experience the value here of doing so in order to not be or get stuck in life, to see breakthrough after breakthrough, is that some level of being content, being satisfied. And so I want to kind of pick this apart today, and I uh, I want to talk more about that concept and uh, have a couple of specific things for you to write down and think about. But before we do that, I want to pray. So if you would pray with me, and then I'll give you those things to think about and write down. So God, we uh, are grateful this morning that we um, got to sing Uh, some songs, do some music together, but ultimately to worship you, to uh, come into your presence. It is, uh, I am, uh, God, it is not um, wasted on me or us that really what we're doing here is we're just connecting with you. And so we want to continue that now as we look into this text uh, from Paul here in Philippians chapter 4, that ultimately we just want you to connect with us, and maybe there might be some things in this teaching that um, that maybe you want to encourage us to say, man, keep going, keep doing this, you're doing great. And there might be some other things you say, hey, keep work on that. I pray that our, our hearts and our minds would be supernaturally sticky and Jesus stuff would stick to us, uh, that you would mold us and shape us back into everything you want us to be. And God, not because of my efforts here today, but solely because of the power of the Spirit among us. We just give this time to you. We don't want to check this off the box today and say, oh, we did church. We want to have an encounter with you, a holy God. So come, Holy Spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we have two points today. Insights, I think we can grab from Paul's words to live a balanced life in contentment. Okay, the first one is this. You can write this down. Living satisfied takes forever being a student. You can write that down. Forever being a student. Now, I know some of you just graduated and all kind of stuff. You're like, wait a second, I'm done. Uh, but we got to be a student. All right, and I'll t- tell you what I mean by that in just a second. When I uh, was studying this text this week, I I took notice of the fact that Paul, in communicating his ability to be content, uses an important word along with it. And we see it again in verses 11 and 12. It'll come up on the screen. 11 says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. And so Paul communicates that this is something that he has learned. And, and when I was studying this week, I'm not really sure I've ever really paid attention to that particular word that it was learned. Because the, the reality is, is he could have said, like, I, I, for I know how to be content with whatever circumstance. I, I know the secret of being content. Like, he could have said, I know how to do this. I got this in the bag. But he says, I have learned, which suggests to me that if we want to figure out how to live a balanced life of contentment in our life, that we have to uphold a posture of discovery and learning about ourselves. Now, we talked about that last week as well. Like, we've got to be to lead ourselves. We've got to be in a place of willing, and, 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 I, and I know we love this, but we've got to be willing to look in the mirror. Like we have to be willing to put ourselves in against the mirror and, and look to see what is our level of contentness? Are we content or are we content less? Where, where's, our, where's our meter? Where, where are we at, right? And, and I think we need to really weigh that, let that like really weigh on us a little bit because the truth is, folks, and, and some of you know this, right? Sometimes, folks, sometimes we are just exactly where we need to be even if it's not great, Look at a couple of scriptures and I'll explain what I mean. Proverbs 16, 9 says, this is why we need contentment. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Yep. 
Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And then Psalm 139.16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And, and so the reality is, is that, that it's the Lord's plans, it's the Lord's purposes that will actually prevail and work out. And by the way, every day that you will go through has already been ordained by the God of the universe. He is sovereign. So, I'm going to tell you up front, disclaimer, I'm not trying to tick you off in this next section, but I think we got to be real, okay? So for some of you in the room, right, maybe you're not in a relationship or you're not married because you're not supposed to be, right? By the way, it actually says in the Bible that it's better not to be married, okay? It actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried. There it is right there, as I do. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Ask my wife, I am her troubles. <laughs> and then, but it goes on, it says, they will have many troubles. And I want to spare you this. I would, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man, you can also put a woman because it goes on, it says woman as well. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. But a married man or woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. And so maybe, maybe you're not in a relationship or married because you aren't supposed to be right now. Now, it might only be a season. Maybe some people got cost of singleness for their, their whole lives, but sometimes maybe it's just in this season because the reality is, is maybe the one you want to be in or maybe the one you would be in, it would actually be toxic and destructive and it wouldn't be helpful. By the way, have you ever thought about that sometimes God actually protects us from our own messes? So maybe you're not supposed to be in a relationship. Or, or maybe, maybe it's a different thing. Um, maybe it's a, a completely different thing altogether. And maybe you're thinking, okay, gosh, I just, I want that job. I want that title. But maybe what if not having that title will actually allow you to be a better mom? Maybe not having that title will make you a better dad or a better friend or a better brother or a better sister because here's the reality, right? Um, you, you, you then, by not having that title, which means you're not the one that has to stay late at work. You're not the one that has to go in on the weekends. You get to go in, you get to do your job, you get to go home and you get to be available to other people in your life. Right, I was thinking this week about my life, and some, some of you know this, but before I was in ministry, I was, uh, I, I was at camp ministry, but before that, I was, uh, when Lee and I first got married, I was driving a truck, delivering furniture, delivering building supplies, and I remember those seasons in my life were like, I had to be in at like six o'clock in the morning, but so I had to wake up early, I'd go in at six, in the, by the way, my wife was awesome, she would make me lunch at like five o'clock in the morning, because she's a good wife, but so she'd get up, make my lunch, all kind of, but I would tell you, can I tell you something? I got to clock out at four o'clock every day. How many of you know that a pastor's job doesn't work that way? So now I know this is where God's called me to be and all those kind of things, but like a pastor never gets to clock out. I'm on 24 seven. And so there are days where I'm like, man, I remember, I kind of want to go back to that. And so maybe you not having that job is exactly what that, like that, like you would be on nights and weekends and all this kind of stuff. You would be unavailable. And ultimately right now, you need to be available to be, be a mom or a dad or a husband or, or a, a sister or a brother or a friend to somebody. And that's why you don't have, the, it's probably good that you're not in that position. Or maybe it's not like that. Maybe, uh, maybe your heart's desire is to live in Florida. That's me. And my wife has to remind me of this all the time because some of you know I don't like the cold. I hate being cold. And so uh, I, I was definitely more designed to be in a place where it's sunny and warm all the time. I don't know why I was not born in Southern California. All right. But I will tell you this. Leah has to remind me. And I'm so thankful. But she has to, you know, Matt, our kingdom work is here. 
right? Like, so though I have a desire to live in Florida, and maybe there will be someday when I'm like 85, I'll live in Florida. But the reality is, is my kingdom work is here. Or maybe, so finally, this is the last thing I thought about, is that maybe you're not where they are or have what they have because your journey is unique. Your journey is your journey, and their journey is their journey. And so that's why you don't have what they have is because you're not supposed to have what they have. You're supposed to have what you have. You're supposed to do what you're doing. And, and I started thinking about that a little bit more. I kind of let my mind run down a little bit. I was trying to look for a quote that, that would kind of go along with that. And I found this one. I thought it was really good. And said, after so many years struggling to keep up with you, I finally realized we're not even running the same race. <laughs> How many races are we running, folks, that aren't even ones we're supposed to be running? Because all we're trying to do is keep up with other people and, and, and our desires and, and our, our wants, right, are putting us in this train and this track of discontentment, right? Because I was thinking, so many of you know that um, I have runners in my family. I'm not sure how my kids became runners because Lee and I hate running. But so like Elijah actually ran his last senior track meet on Thursday, got a PR by the way, which is awesome, all right? And so uh, I was thinking about this week as we were kind of going through this. I was thinking about this whole idea of like running a different race. How many of you know, like the, the hurdler team, the, the guys that run on the hurdles, they don't train the same way as those that are running the two mile. Right? Because they're running a different race. If they all went, went down and tried to run the same exact race, they would all fail. Oh, but don't we run the same race for other people and don't we fail? We do that. Right? And so what we need to do, and we get this, we understand. I'm not giving you anything that's, folks, when we play the comparison game, we end up in a pit that we cannot get out of. We need to quit comparing it's so a reason why we need to reason enough that we need to try to figure out how to live content, right? Really weigh that in us because the truth is there's so there are so many times that we're exactly where we are supposed to be, even when it is not great. I was actually thinking about this. This wasn't in my notes yesterday. Uh, my family's camping this weekend. I just came back for church this morning. I'm heading back up to Warren Dunes, and I was hanging out with my brother-in-law yesterday, Danny. And I was reminded of, uh, there was a season years ago where uh, Danny and Nicole, uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law, uh, felt God called them to Africa. And so they went to Africa as missionaries for two years. And, uh, and they would tell you, and I verified with them yesterday, that, that those two years were probably the worst two years they've ever experienced in their entire life. And so I asked him yesterday, I was like, so do you know why God, like, why did God call you to Africa? Have you guys ever figured out, like, what reason God had to take you to Africa? And he said, because I think God had wanted us to suffer. By the way, that might theologically wreck some of you. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, like, we, it was so bad when we were in Kenya that, uh, that there were some things that got refined in me that probably would never have been refined in any other place. And Nicole and I, we had to work on our marriage so hard during that time that if we were living in the States, we probably would have missed an opportunity to grow that, that, we, that we now had by living in Africa. By the way, if you don't know this theologically, um, Christians often, because it actually says in the scripture, I don't know exactly which scripture, I have to pull it up, but like it says that we will get to be in his sufferings. If Jesus suffered, by the way, why do we expect that we're not going to suffer? And so I thought that was incredible because the reality is, is though they look back on that and they don't want to go back to Africa, the reality is, is they know that that's exactly where they were supposed to be. Some of you might be in an Africa season right now. 
and it stinks, but it might be exactly where you're supposed to be. Because it says in verse 12, right? I know this is a happy Memorial Day weekend message, isn't it? Folks, it says in verse 12 that Paul says that he is content whether, listen, well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And so he's saying that there is value and a level of contentment in life even when in a tough season. He's figured out how to take where he is and on some level be satisfied no matter what. By the way, I think that's a really, really incredible way to try to live life, wherever we are, to live satisfied. In my Bible time, I'm reading through the book of Isaiah, and the other morning I read chapter 38, verse 17, and it said this. It said, surely, I was, it, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Seriously, this is, a theological, this is theological truth, y'all. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. And so some of you guys know that this last year has been really, really challenging for me. And, and I would say that it has been a year of anguish for me personally. And, and so my thought this week as I was reading that, I was like, surely it was for my benefit that I went through such anguish because the Lord might have been keeping me from a pit of destruction. You ever thought about that? That the Lord might actually be keeping you for something? Like the, the truth of the matter, where you are, it may not be great either, but it may be better than where you are, right? Where you'd be. So we need to be a forever student upholding this posture of discovery, learning about our level of contentment versus contentlessness. Because here's the truth, this discontentment, you, again, you guys know this, right? Discontentment can creep up on us, and we may, folks, we may be discontent and not even know it. It actually says, in, again, verse 12, it says, I have learned the secret of being content. It's often a secret, this content thing, and many often don't know the secret. And so forever we have to be willing to look in this mirror, uh, maybe even have others kind of pinpoint something, help us look in the mirror uh, by asking a couple questions. These are going to come up on the screen. We've got to either do this ourselves, have other people do it, uh, ask a couple questions, three questions. The first one is this, am I grumbling, grumbling about the present? Ask ourselves, you may want to write that down. Am I grumbling about the present? Because if we're grumbling about something that we're going through right now, in some senses, can I say that we're arguing with God? Right, we are sort of saying that, he, uh, that we shouldn't have to endure this. And the truth though, is that, that our present experiences, what happens in our present experiences, what it's going to do, it's like a magnet. It's either gonna draw out a level of discontentment in our life, or we're gonna be in a position where, we're, where God's gonna help us level, level this out and be content. It's like a magnet. And if we're grumbling about our present, then I will tell you there's absolutely no way that we can live content. We are essentially saying that God is getting it wrong. And such discontentment questions God's wisdom, goodness, and power. And so we've got to look in the mirror, have others help us like, hey, are we grumbling? By the way, I, I think it's really helpful to have those questions in our own life, but sometimes like, it might be really good and sometimes it's, can, it can't be a spouse because if a spouse asks you this, like, are you just grumbling about the present? That won't be helpful. But sometimes it is really good to be like, are you just grumbling about the present? Like, and, if, and if we are, we might be lacking some level of contentment, that we're, beneficial contentment that we're supposed to have. So that's the first question. Second question is, am I bitter about the past? Look, here's the reality is every single one of us have faced bad days and hard days and some pasts are harder than others and we've all felt the sting of sin and pain in a fallen world. But some people, and some of you know, some people live under a cloud 
of their past hardships and become increasingly bitter. And over time, they revisit and they analyze the situation from a, from a perspective of a victim. And what they do is they only add to their bitterness. And we cannot be content in the present when we are nursing bitterness about our past. Again, we're, in that sense, we're kind of saying, God, you failed us. And we sing songs around here that, that God never fails, Right? And so this discontentment to questions God's wisdom, goodness, and character. And so I think we need to study ourselves. We need to, we need to really look in the mirror and say, am I bitter? Am I, am I holding up? By the way, you probably heard the idea of a bitter root, that the root then digs deep and it goes down and it gets hard to get out. And so we need to be real with ourselves and say, is there bitterness inside of me that needs to be ripped out from the root? And, and, and so ultimately that we can be more content. And by the way, if you find yourself there, I want to suggest two things for you today. If you're in a place where you find that there's bitterness and a root inside of you, I would ask you to please set up a prayer session, stand a prayer session with our prayer crew. We have a goal this year of getting at least a dozen people through this. A couple people have done it and found it extremely healing. And you can simply do that by emailing prayer at cornerstone.email and we'll get that set up for you. But do that. Consider if there If you go, man, there might be something in here, then set that up, okay? The, the second thing that I would encourage is maybe attend Celebrate Recovery on Monday night. They actually meet tomorrow night, 6 to 9 p.m. here at the church. Um, I've noticed there's some people that are re just recently starting to go through this and uh, are finding it really, really beneficial for their life. To ultimately try to live into a place where, and, and there's many reasons why they're going, but the reality is, is one of those is to live content in where they are rather than keep reliving the past. And so those are two great things that I would encourage uh, and the, both those are designed to dig in and to, to find healing. By the way, God wants to heal you from those things. So consider those. Okay, and then the final question is this. Have, we have to ask ourselves, others ask, am I worrying about the future? And again, like, that, this is the, uh, the age-old thing, like, hey, uh, what's going to happen tomorrow? How will I know that everything's going to be okay, right? Like I've already mentioned, where will I work? Who will I marry? We can ask hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions about the future, but the truth is we don't know the future, we can never predict the future. The future is in the future, right? And so, uh, so sadly, so many people end up in, a, in bondage over worrying about the future. And I use that word seriously because that's a serious word. They end up in bondage of worry and by, uh, about the future, and then they lose joy with, and contentment in the present. And by the way, just so you know, that Jesus actually addresses this in the scripture. And he says that if we are living in a place of, of worrying about the future, it actually is uh, living a life that, that like pagans live. Okay, those who are without Christ. It says in Matthew chapter 6, it says, So do not worry, saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or whatever, what should we wear for the pagans run after these things? And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so if we are worrying as much as, uh, we are as much as saying that God won't get it right. So it was like God got it wrong, and then he, he failed, and this one's like, you're going you're gonna to get it. By the way, God is big and strong and good, and he will get it right. So we can't question God's wisdom and goodness in the midst of that. We've got to make sure that we are not worrying about the future. And so these questions, am I grumbling about the present? Am I bitter about the past? Am I worrying about the future? Three questions to look in the mirror to see if we are lacking beneficial levels of contentment in our life. Are we learning and relearning the secret of being content? Forever being a student and living satisfied. By the way, I, I think this is something, we're going to talk about this in the next point, but man, there's something that Paul had gotten figured out even in a life that was really hard. But man, I want to I be more like that. I want to more frequently live satisfied, which means I've got to be willing to look at my life and analyze and change some things about my life. You're going to have to do the same thing. So that's our first point today. 
Living satisfied takes forever being a student. Second thing, and I've already kind of alluded to this a little bit, you can fill this in. Living satisfied takes an I can, it can attitude. And I, uh, I get this from the famous verse 13 of Philippians 4. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Contentment is what Paul is referring to here, uh, essentially saying, I can. I can do this. It can. I can. It's going to work. It's going to be good. We'll make it. Things are going to change at some point. Yeah, baby, the best is yet to come. Amen. It's having that kind of attitude. Essentially saying, I'm grateful for what I have, where, I, uh, where I'm at in life, a single or married, that I have a job at all, that Mishawaka does have all four seasons and it snows. I love it. Right? But the, but the truth of the matter is, right, like, as I think about that, and, and you know, I'm talking about me wanting to live in Florida, those kinds, I'm not moving, okay? But I will tell you, like, this is a place I, I can live in discontentment per the weather of Indiana, Right? And so the reality is, is what I realized this week as I was, I was working on this is that though I do desire some of those things in my future, like, man, this has been an incredible place to raise my family. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Having both grandparents right next. My kids get to hang out with their grandparents more than any of their cousins because they're right here. Like there's value in that, right? Like there's so much value. So it's a great place. to. And so I was thinking about this point, right? Like this I can't, it can't attitude. And it's, it, it'd be like, it, Paul's kind of saying, like it'd be like taking like a piece of paper out and listing out five things that are great about where we are in life, about where you are in life. Essentially, this point is we need to find the silver linings. We need to find the good stuff. Because by the way, you might actually have some tough stuff going on in your life, but there is some good stuff. There is some good stuff. And we need to take an approach from Paul here, which, which by the way, if, if you don't know, your life was probably, is, is probably and has not been as probably as tough as Paul's. Paul had a tough life, right? It says in 2 Corinthians, he, he's telling some people about what he's been going through. 2 Corinthians 11 says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. By the way, just in that list, it's probably less, your, less, your life is less challenging than his, minus two. Yeah, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I've constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, and in danger in false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, and I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul's life was likely more challenging than yours and mine, and yet, he says... I can do this, all of this, through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I will say, the second part of that, who Christ, through Christ who gives me strength, is key. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I don't know how you're doing your life. You need Jesus because ultimately, right, the reality is, is that we, need, we can't pay for our own sin and all those kind of things, but I, I, will, I can't walk. I, there's so much, so much strength that I get from the Lord. But, but the reality is, he says, yes, through Christ gives me strength. But I will tell you, tell you this. I actually think that the attitude at the beginning, the I can attitude, is really noteworthy. Because um, here's, the, here's the truth, and some of you know this. How many of you know that if we have a bad attitude in this life, it'll be 100% bad all the time? Correct. Right? It's like the whole like garbage in, garbage out, right? You go in negative, you're going to get a negative result. But if we can, if we can in some way take on what Paul is talking about here, find some level or levels of contentment, we might actually have a chance to change some things. 
Now, I, I uh, will say this. I know that I use this all the time, so you've probably, uh, probably used this before. you probably heard me say this. But back years ago, there was a, a great movie called Facing the Giants. And I love this movie, and if you've never seen this movie, basically it's a, uh, a movie about a, a, a struggling football program. The coach is trying to change it and kind of lets God kind of dictate some stuff and move some things around, and uh, they really change some things. And uh, at one point early in the movie, he's trying to kind of change the football pro- program and get it to kind of seize more success, and he, he uses this quote. He says, your attitude is the aroma of your heart. If your attitude stinks, your heart's not right. And I use this all the time because the reality, folks, and you know this, right? Our attitude plays a big role in the way our life is going to play out. It's the aroma of our heart. And so the question is, do we stink or do we smell sweet? And, and I think you have to ask, by the, I, I can't add, answer that question for you. Does your, does your attitude stink towards life or is it sweet? Are we only seeing everything wrong and everything that we don't have and the desires that we don't have? Or are we actually seeing the good and finding some level of contentment there? Because I guarantee you, you have some level of good in your life. Yes, you may be going through some challenging things, but you have good in your life. We all do. Because we have a good God. I hope you catching what I'm saying today. Paul says this again in verse 11 and 12. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, right? In verse 12, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So what those verses tell me is that the the circumstances or situations are not the key, but the attitude towards contentment in them is, correct? Give me a head nod if you're tracking with me this morning, right? Our attitude is what's key in them, not the circumstances, not the situation. It's our attitude, Earlier, actually, in the, chap- the same chapter in uh, Philippians, verse 8, Paul writes something that I think connects here. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I think he's saying, choose the right attitude. See the good stuff. See the, see the silver linings. Avoid a discontent attitude and focus here. Focus in like, I can I can, you can, we can, we can do this, I can do this, it can, it can work, it can be good, it will, we'll make it, the best is yet to come. I think we have to be, uh, we have to consciously choose that attitude and probably re-choose that attitude probably every day, every, even moments in the day, every week. And actually to that end, I'm gonna have you do an exercise today um, to kind of sort of live this out. I, I, I know that the reality is that there's probably some here today that your life is great and, and things are good and it's pretty easy for you to be content right now. That's, I just know there's probably a reality of that. Uh, but I also know that there's probably some of you here today that life is tough and it's challenging and it's easy to be discontented. And so what I'd like you to do is um, here in a minute, I'm gonna have the, the tech crew play a little bit of music. And, and here's what I'm gonna have you do. I want you to, on your handout or on, on your phone, get, get, get the handout out, get your phone out, something like that, just do that now. Reach down, grab whatever you need to grab. I want you to, because I want you to do this exercise. I want you to do this. I want you to have something physical in your hands when you leave here today. I want you to write down five things that are great about where I am, okay? A list that I hope will serve as a significant reminder for us of a handful of good things in each of our lives, that there's some uh, there are some, and bring it with us, hopefully as a, a nevel, new level of contentment. So go ahead and play a little bit of music, and I want you to take 60 seconds, 90 seconds, write down five things, five things that are good about where you are, where I am in life. Just take a minute, write that out, put it on a phone, put it on your handout. What are five things in your life?
If you can do more than five, do more than five. Came up with your first five pretty easy, put, put, put six down, seven down, 12 down. Anybody need more time? Wave at me if you need more time. Okay, a couple, uh, you're a processor. Hannah needed more time. She's, she's a mental process. She's, she's going to need, she's going to have to think about this later this evening too. So. All right. All right, go and bring that, that down, okay? So it, you still need to write, keep writing, okay? But thanks for doing that. I, I mean, uh, again, I think sometimes I really want to give really practical, tangible things when you walk out of here. Um, I, I, I hope that you came up with five. Actually, I hope that some of you came up with 12. I really do hope that some of you came up with 12. And, and here's what I want, I want you to take that list today as a foundation to stand on. You've got good in your life. You have good in your life. It's there. Yes, you may be dealing with something, but, but uh, you, you don't have to focus on that only. The circumstances, situations don't matter, not as much as your attitude towards all that stuff. So stand on that stuff, live on that, be content today, and remind yourself of those. By the way, I know that some of you are probably going to leave here. Things have been really great this week, and then you're going to leave here, and you're going to have a crappy week. Remind yourself of these five things this week when things fall apart, that you have good in your life, that you can be content. Maybe you're in a place where, uh, like my brother and sister-in-law, have when they're, they're, you might be in an Africa season. Maybe your Africa season is going to start this week. By the way, that sounds fun. But by the way, you can be content in those things if you know that the good that you have in your life and ultimately that God has some stuff in your plans for your life. Because living satisfied takes an I can, it can attitude. Having a good aroma rather than a stinky attitude. And, and I don't say that, I, I know I say that and I don't think it's easy to do. I think it can be really challenging, but sure, for sure something to work out in life to try to figure out, all right? Which reminds me of this as the worship team comes to get ready to close this morning. It reminds me, um, I've actually had the privilege of going on several missions trips over the course of my time in ministry. Uh, I've been in uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland. I've been to uh, Costa Rica, Honduras, Guatemala, might go to Uganda this fall. Um, and so uh, as I've taken people to these countries and, uh, you know, wa walk them out uh, almost without fail, at some time during the week, we have the exact same conversation. Doesn't matter the country, doesn't matter where we are, doesn't matter if it's teenagers going, adults going, we have the same conversation. The conversation goes something like this. This is at the time at night when we're talking about the day, kind of processing through how the day went. Somebody will say this at some point. We'll say, you know, I was struck this morning when we were in the village and these are some of the most poor people in Guatemala. These are some of the most poor people in Honduras and yet they are so happy. Without fail, we will have that conversation. Someone will get that light bulb on and they will go, that why? They are so poor and yet they are so happy. Why is that? And, and, and it's interesting because it's pretty inspiring for most people. And I think it should be, right? That there's something to be said about having the right attitude, right? In our lives towards contentment, being satisfied. Now, I will say that we have to hard, work hard too, right? It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So we have to work hard too, but there is something to be said about an attitude of contentment. Having a contentment in plenty. We've got to find contentment in plenty. By the way, uh, the Bible actually says uh, it, that, that it's easier for 
a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Do you know why that is? It's because we're not content in our plentiness, often. So we got to find some place of contentment in plenty, but we also have to find a place of contentment in want. When we are in need, when we're going through a tough season, and we've got to find a level of contentment with everything in between. And what Paul tells us here is that to do that, we've got to look at ourselves, we've got to evaluate ourselves, and we really have to be in a position where we've got to have the right attitude. And so here's what we're going to do to close today. Why don't you stand? Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.